I am thankful that we do have that day in our future, and that is a great hope for each and every child of God, that God, not only through this great journey with Him, walking with Him, there's more in store after we take our last breath and we, we uh, go to meet Him in eternity. Um, honestly, I don't understand how people who don't know the Lord, how they can make it through the trials and the tragedies, and they don't have a day like that to look forward to, and they have to conjure up all kinds of optimistic ways of looking at it, but I'm glad we have a wonderful day in our future. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Second Chronicles 20. Have you ever needed a miracle in some situation, maybe with your children, with a family member, and you didn't know where to turn? Have you ever felt like everybody maybe had conspired against you? Have you ever felt like everything was coming down on you and you just flat out needed a miracle? Anyone ever feel like that at some time? Well, that's what we're looking at here of a king by the name of Jehoshaphat who was in a similar situation. And I want us to see that if we're ever going to see the mighty power of God, we must have a purposeful ministry of prayer. We've been witnessing, I believe, mercy drops of God's blessings. And there at the meeting, this prayer meeting, it was with Pastor Van Gelderen and Dr. Jim and Stephen Van Gelderen, Pastor's son and Pastor David Zimple. We, you know, that's one of the things that God gripped us with in that prayer meeting is that we believe that God wants to give us more than mercy drops. And we have seen God answering prayer and blessing our ministry, but I believe that if we're going to be on mission with God's vision, that we need to see that He wants to pour out showers of blessing. Well, in Second Chronicles 20, they had a great prayer meeting. I wonder what would happen as a church if Canaan Baptist would be on her knees before God more often. If we weren't just passing through in a drive-through mentality with God. Notice in verse number 12, if you're there in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. I want us to know when we don't know what to do, we can keep our eyes upon Him. Yeah. So I want you to see a few things about this matter of prayer and why I want us to be motivated in prayer. Maybe you've uh, neglected your time with God in that Christ walk journal and your, your uh, going before the Lord and your devotions, whatever you may call it. And, and by the way, we don't want to focus, get hung up on just the tool and the methodology. 
Some have said, I just can't seem to get the time in. I'm, I get hung up on this being too long here. I said, don't do that. I mean, don't, don't focus on that. I, I've, I've said before when I got started, I used my stopwatch because I've got a, I know I have a certain amount of time and I'm just trying to, trying to use, if I'm going to use a tool, I want to understand it and give it a shot. And so, uh, so I would use my stopwatch as it would say five minutes on this section, five minutes here, five minutes here, 10 minutes here. But I said, but don't, but don't have that mindset. You, you don't do your devotions. You have your time with God. And, and I want to say, if you think about it in terms of a relationship, men, if you use, if you take your wife out on a date and you have a stopwatch in hand, it probably won't go so well. Uh, but you, you want to work on having that time, cultivating that time with the Lord. And part of that time is hearing from the Lord, speaking to the Lord. It, it's a dialogue. It's a relationship. And so let me encourage you, focus on that prayer time. Focus on the times of prayer. We have Sunday morning prayer. We have a Saturday night prayer. We have prayer in Sunday school. And I want us to have prayer even here this evening. I, I don't think we prayed too much. I don't think we can pray too much. You, you cannot do any more until you pray, but there is more that we can do once we've prayed, but we want to, to understand. If we're going to see the showers of God's blessings, the same way Jehoshaphat did, the same way God has given to us example after example in the Bible, we must understand this ministry of prayer. Number one, notice in verse one through three, it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon and Tamar, which is in, in Gedi. And we, we were able to, uh, to visit there. In verse number three, back, back in the spring. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So number one, prayer, it partners with God. Jehoshaphat is needing help. He's surrounded, he's outnumbered, but he seeks a time of fast and prayer, and prayer is what partners with God. The first thing that happens when you pray is that through prayer, you're tuning in with God. It gives you the perspective of what is happening in your life from God's point of view rather than man's point of view. Think about the disciples. Remember Jesus was, I mean, they were actually in the presence, physically touching Jesus with Jesus. He's telling them what's happening and they're saying to him things like, no, you, you, you don't need to go to the cross. No, no, that's not going to happen. And, and he's telling them what has to happen, what needs to happen and when it'll happen and how it'll happen. And they're still, nah, that doesn't make any sense to us. And it's because while they're, they're going through the motions with him, they're not quite in tune with him at certain times. You see, they came to Jehoshaphat and they said, there are these three armies coming against you. And you know that we don't have the strength to face these armies. What in the world are we going to do? 
The Bible says that Jehoshaphat feared and he set his face to seek the Lord, his God, and the whole nation began to pray. Now, keep in mind how we see God work through a nation in the Old Testament. The way we interpret that is how God is dealing with us as individuals. The Bible says that, that they began to pray. When we begin to pray is when we get in touch with God. He began to fast and he began to pray. Listen, I want to I say maturity, it, when, it, when you are talking about the, your problems and you're I can't do this, I'm not getting this done, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, and you're thinking more of quitting than you are fixing and getting God in on the scene and going forward with God, it, it shows a, a real immaturity in the Lord. Because if you have access to God, nothing is too hard for him. Then why is it not in your arsenal of thinking, well, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to get serious. If God is serious about me, God is serious about the work of God, then why aren't we serious about him? When we get in touch with God is when we see things not from the viewpoint of man, but from the viewpoint of God. He began to fast. He began to pray. When something happens in our life, prayer ought to be our first thought, not our last resort. Some people have the attitude, well, it's an impossible situation. We've done everything we can do. Now, I guess all we can do is pray. Well, that should have been what we did first. Because when we say prayer, what we're saying is we need to talk to God. We need to get God in on this. All we can do is pray. We should be praying in the first place because you see, when we, what we need must come from God. We have to get tuned into God and see what God has in mind. Now, prayer tunes us in to the will of God for our life. And there are three parts to, to his prayer. In verse number six, notice. He said, O Lord, uh, o Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? He He's reminding himself, first of all, in this prayer, he's reminding himself of who God is. That's really the strategy of that Christ Walk Journal. It's getting us, uh, helping us get, get a frame of reference as to who God is. In the midst of an impossible situation, when we think there's no hope, what we need to do is what Jehoshaphat did. Oh, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Do you think Jehoshaphat maybe didn't know that? Well, he did. And he's reminding himself and he's reminding God our confidence is built in the presence of God. And we need to remember who God is. That's why iron sharpening iron. That's why a church body, when one is low, another can, can uh, kick us when we're down. No, no, that's not the way it is. When one is low, another can remind us. There's nothing too hard for our God. You, you can trust God. He's trustworthy. We need to remember who God is. That God is sovereign. That God is on his throne. That our problems have, have not overwhelmed our God. You've heard me say it. I'm just, I'm, I just think it's a great statement and perspective. Clarifying perspective of the lady that asked G. Campbell Morgan if she should bring her little request to God. To which he reminded her, lady, all of our requests are little to our great God. Uh, God, I need you to part the Red Sea. 
that's pretty little for God. And, um, and so let, let's keep in mind in our prayer, we're reminding ourselves of who God is. And then notice in verse number seven, let me finish reading verse six. O Lord God of our fathers, art now not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? That's a great reminder. Verse number seven, here's another reminder. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people, Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? What is he reminding himself of now? Well, now he's reminding himself of what God has done. God, you've done this before. You didn't, that wasn't me you did it for, but didn't you do this for your nation? Didn't you do it for your friend Abraham? God, Lord, you, you, you are able to help us in the present because you've demonstrated it in the past. Aren't you the God that drove the enemy out when we came into this land? You did it before, you can do it again. God, aren't you the God who did all those mighty things? You are that same God. Now notice what he says in verse number eight. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name's sake. If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Here's what I, I believe he's saying. He said, God, this is who you are. You're the sovereign God who's in control. God, you did it in the past, and therefore he's saying, God, do it again. Do it again. God, how about a repeat performance of your mighty power? Do it again. Don't you think that when the nation of Israel did come out of the, the, uh, the, the wilderness and they had to cross over the river Jordan, don't you think it kind of helped them a little bit to remember there was a group that came across on dry land through the Red Sea. And if he could do it back then, he could do it again. Lord, do it again. If you're facing an impossible situation in your life, you need a miracle from God and only a miracle will do, then tune into God through prayer and you will remind yourself who God is. You'll remind yourself of what God has done and that is a great catalyst to help you to pray, God, do it again. Do it again. Let me see a second thing. Prayer does a second thing. Not only does it tune us into God, but notice in verse 2, the, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. And he hears this and is really greatly outnumbered. He confessed his own inadequacy. He confessed God's mighty power and he places his situation before the Lord and he acknowledged his weakness, but he also claimed God's power. So that number two, prayer shows your dependence upon God. Prayer shows your dependence upon God. You see, life's troubles, they often overpower us. They bring us face to face with our own helplessness. And that's the time to keep your eyes on God and wait for His wisdom, wait for His deliverance. 
Too often we can be like Moses in the early days who is trying to help God out. Listen, when we try to help God, we tend to prolong what God's doing. When we help God, we tend to frustrate the plan of God. Waiting on God does not mean sitting back and twiddling our fingers. Waiting on God simply means being so in tune to God that when He says go, you go. And when He says stop, you stop. And when He says turn right, He doesn't mean for you to turn left. And when He says go faster, He doesn't mean for you to say, well, let me pray about it. Waiting on God means to being in tune to Him, keeping your dependence upon Him, and doing exactly what He says. See, we can be assured that no crisis is beyond His control. When you pray, it shows you're not depending upon what you can do. You're depending upon what God can do. Have you ever felt like this little poem? The world had a hopeful beginning, but man spoiled it by sinning. We trust the story will end to God's glory, but right now it seems the other side is winning. You don't like that one? Well, I don't like that you didn't like it either. I thought it was pretty good. That's how I feel a lot of times. I feel like the devil's winning. I feel like Satan is having the victory and we see Satan having his day. And I know, I know how the story ends. I know what the Bible says. I'm just saying how we feel sometimes. And when we come to God in prayer for a miracle, what we're saying is, God, it makes no difference how I feel. I'm depending upon you. We're saying we have no might against this problem. We don't have a solution. God, we don't know what to do, but our trust is in thee. That's what Jehoshaphat said. All right? Let me give you a third thought. Third thought. Prayer focused. Prayer, prayer focuses our attention on God rather than on our circumstances. It focuses our attention on God. I don't see too often, there's sometimes where God will steer his people away from the problem, but especially going to the, the coming out of Egypt, going to the land of promise, it was not a very long journey. Um, it, it, was, it, it was short. It, it, was, it only took uh, really a matter of days. They could have checked it off on a calendar, but he took them a long route because he said, they were not battle ready. God delivered them from Egypt, but God had to prepare them for battles ahead. It's just like a newborn babe in Christ trusted God to save their soul, but sometimes you know they may want to do more. I want to, I want to, I want to be more on the front line, and I want to do this and. And God's trying to equip us and disciple us and help us because he recognizes we're no match for the devil. We really are no match for the devil. But God is. And he's trying to get us to understand that, that he didn't die to give us religion. He didn't save to give us religion. He saved us to bring us into a relationship. I have three children. Not by religion, but by relationship. And, and God died so that he can save your soul to bring you into the family by relationship. And so since there's a relationship, he ought to be treated as though there's a relationship. 
And discipleship is teaching people who know God how to live with the God who lives in them. And so prayer, it focuses our attention on God rather than circumstances. You know what the problem is with the recession in America? Too many believers are reading the newspaper, reading the headline news online, and not reading the Bible. They have their attention faced on the circumstances, but they don't have their attention faced upon the problem solver and the God who is above the circumstances. You know, it's been good. I basically turned my phone off the last day and, and um, during you know, several hour chunks and put it aside so I wouldn't be distracted in the praying time. And one thing I was watching was the weather when I did turn it on. When I, when I got there, landed, it was rather warm. I wasn't sure if I was going to take a jacket. And Tuesday, it was 70 degrees. I took a screenshot. 70 degrees where I was outside of Milwaukee. Um, um, not, not Delavan, but, but another area outside of there. And 70 degrees. This morning, it was 13 degrees. I have never seen that drastic. And so I took screenshot side by side, went from 70 degrees Tuesday afternoon, 13 degrees and snow this morning. And I took picture of that. And it was just, it was, it was mind boggling the, the, the drastic change. And they all said, we've never seen this kind of drastic change going from 70. I mean, I'm looking at the weather. I'm seeing it's about the same temperature there as it was down in Orlando. It's the same here as it was over in, in, uh, in, in Mexico in places. And then 13 degrees in the morning. Well, it kind of sounds like how volatile our country is in a lot of ways. But the problem is, is when we're looking at the news reports versus the Word of God. Listen, put your focus upon God. Face your problems, but keep your focus on God. If you're going through a problem in your life, you need a miracle, you think there's no way out, you think there's no solution, you really should get excited about it. I mean, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. And when it seems like there's no way, it's so difficult, you don't know what to do, you're at your wit's end, then go to God. Focus on God rather than circumstances. Listen, what prayer does is it focuses your attention on God. You cannot pray sincerely pray and worry at the same time. You cannot pray and sincerely fear at the same time. Jehoshaphat feared, but then he began to seek the Lord. And when he began to seek the Lord, that fear left him. You know, we have fear today that comes to us because we are human beings and it's natural and it's human to fear when you get the news of an impossible situation that's happened in your life or your family or, or the church. And, but when you begin to pray, fear leaves you and you begin to focus your attention on God. You, you may look at certain men and think you know, they, they don't struggle with things like they don't have fear. You know, General George Patton, great, great man in general in World War II was said that uh, you, you probably never are afraid. And he said, there has never been a gunshot. There has never been the sight of battle. 
but what my palms are always sweating and my heart is always racing. He said, but what I do is I just don't let my feelings dictate to me what I'm supposed to do. Joshua, do you think he had any problems with fear? For whatever reason, God saw fit to remind him, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Fear not. You say, I just don't, don't know if I can do it. Well, you can't, but God can. I just get so down, I can't, I can't get up for God. Well, why don't you confess how lousy of, of a love relationship you have for God. Let Him forgive you so that you can get up because God is able. Focus on God. Stop focusing on the circumstances. He began to seek the Lord and things changed. When you begin to pray, fear leaves. And when you begin to focus on your attention on God, you begin to see things with a much clearer perspective. You see, Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You can't look at Jesus and look at the problem the same way at the same time. Do you know what I've been guilty of doing many times just Many times I'll look at the problem and study that problem. I try to figure out the problem and I wrestle with that problem without having sense enough to know that I can't solve the problem. But I'm not going to solve the problem by worrying and looking and trying. I need to get my eyes off the problem, focus on Jesus, face the problem, but focus on Jesus. Face the problem, but focus on Jesus. I'm not going to solve the problem by worrying, by looking, by trying. You ask Christians, how are you doing? Well, pretty good considering the day. Well, wasn't it a day which the Lord hath made? Amen. Well, I'm pretty good considering the circumstances. Well, what's wrong with the circumstances? Well, they're just not in my favor. But God is. God says you're more than conquerors. Well, you know, underneath the weight and the burden that I'm under, well, what are you doing under there? Circumstances for a Christian are like mattresses. If you be under them, you will suffocate. Get out from under them and get on the winning side that God said you're on. You're supposed to be on top of your circumstances, on top of a mattress, not under it. As a believer, the Bible says you have victory through your Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get our eyes on God, get our eyes off the problem. And the only way we'll do that is in prayer. When people go into that prayer room, they begin to pray and they review the scriptures about prayer and God answers the prayer and they focus on, on who God is. They remind themselves of the great God who wrote this book, who wants to meet with you. And then they begin to look into the face of God. They get their mind off the circumstance, circumstances. They begin to pray and miracles begin to take place because God's people are to pray. Corey Ten Boom said, look at the world around you, you will be distressed. Look within you, you will be depressed. But look at Jesus and you'll be at rest. You mark it down. If there's no rest in your soul, you're either looking at the world too much or you're looking within. I tell you, we're not to look at the world around us, not to look within us at our own resources. Look to Jesus and find rest. Here's a fourth thought. Notice verse number 15. And he said, Hearken ye, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, 
And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. A lot of us have stooped shoulders from an Atlas complex. Atlas is that mythological figure who carried the world on his shoulders. And so many of us are trying to carry the problems of life on our shoulders. We're trying to handle the problems that belong to God. If you're a child of God, your problem is God's problem because you belong to God. This is God's church. This is God's business. You're God's child. You belong to Him. Let it stay in His hands. But it's not until we pray that we are conscious to put the problem into the hands of God and say, God, here it is. A lot of us are tired, weary, worn out, depressed, discouraged because we've been trying to handle the problems that only God can handle. Here's what I do know about God. He's good at being God. He's really good at being God. Let God do His part and you do yours. If we will give those things to God and get out of the business of managing the problems of the entire world, trying to run our own lives, trying to solve our own difficulties and just say, Lord, I belong to you. This is a problem that belongs to you. God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I turn it over to you. I place it in your hands. Then God will be in the business of working miracles in your life. Did I say that that was the last point? I'm going to extend the warranty here. Let me give you another one. Notice in verse 17. I just didn't want to go, go against my word there. Ye shall not need, verse 17, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Amen. Number five, prayer glorifies God in advance of the answer. Prayer glorifies God in advance of the answer. I love, we see it many times on a Saturday night in the prayer meeting. Petition goes out, we're asking God and asking God. And then there is that sense of God, you, you've heard it and God, you've done it. And, and then you just hear in the course of the praying, people start thanking God before it ever happens. Well, you see, prayer glorifies God in advance of the answer. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. In other words, the battle is the Lord's. You don't have to carry it on your shoulders. He says, stand ye still. In other words, stand firm in the Lord. Stand ye still and see the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. Now notice verse 21. I love this. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed soldiers no, singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, praise the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah and they were smitten. You see, God has given us a battle plan. 
Now, this battle plan is for, that God's given to Jehoshaphat, is for the choir to go out and the musicians to go out in front of the army and sing. They got out there and they sang, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. I want to tell you that battle plan would have given General Patton a heart attack. It would have given MacArthur a stroke. What kind of a battle plan is that? For the choir to lead the army? But you see, God was giving us an example of the power of praise in the midst of an impossible situation. Let me ask you something about that problem in your life. The thing for which you maybe said amen to earlier in which you need a miracle from God and an answer from God. Have you thanked the Lord that he's already going to answer? You say, I don't know if he is going to answer. Well, start thanking him that he's the God who can answer. In other words, go on a praise campaign. The, the most powerful people in all the world ought to be God's people because in the midst of praise, there's power. There's power. Have you thanked God for what he's going to do? How is God going to get the glory for himself in the midst of it? How is he going to give you victory? See, when, when are you going to start praising God for that? You say, well, whenever God does it, then I'll praise him. Now, you see, that's not praise. No, that's called gratitude. And he deserves both. And I don't mean a faking kind of a praise. I mean a confident expectation. When you thank God for something he's done, it's gratitude. Praise is thanking God in advance that he's going to do it based upon his promises, standing firm on his truth, standing firm on the word of God, glorifying him, praising him through prayer that he's going to send the answer. And when we begin to praise God before the answer comes, then we're doing exactly what Bible characters did and what is taught in the Word of God. And the miracle's on its way. Notice verse 22. When they began to sing, when they began to sing, what happened? I'll tell you something. If the battle is the Lord's, that means I don't have to fight. It means I don't have to manipulate. That means I don't have to um, tag in for God and help him while he takes a break. If the battle is the Lord's, that means God is in control. If the battle is not mine, but God's, it means the Lord will fight for me. I believe if the Lord fights for me, I have a lot better chance of winning than me fighting for myself. So what happened? Verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. In other words, God gave them a great victory. Listen, when you turn your problem over to God and when God works his miracle, the number one result will be that God will give you more blessing than you can handle. Amen. God will load your wagon so that you can't even carry it away. Amen. See, prayer changes things. Amen. Praise, too, changes things. Why? Because true praise changes people. 
to the kind of person that God can work through. True praise. It involves the strongest weapons in the Christian, the Christian's arsenal. What is it? Well, what's involved in praise? Faith, hope, love. And when those ingredients are there, praise for God is pretty powerful. Acquire praise God after God gave his word. That's what it says in verse 19. God gave his word. What did the choir do? Then they praised God. Do you know when the choir praised God? Before the battle in verse 21. They praised God after they heard the word from God before the battle. And then they praised God, verse 26 through 28, after the victory. So when they heard from God, they praised God before the battle. And then they praised God after the battle. That's a great time to praise. When you hear from God, it's time to praise. Give Him glory. God has heard. God's coming. And then after the battle, when God has poured out the showers of blessing, go on another praise campaign. I mean, he will take what was once a threatening, impossible, fearful, awesome situation, and he can turn it into a blessing for you. The Bible says that they had more than they could carry away, and there, there they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. Only will it be a blessing to you. But verse 29 tells us, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Not only will it be a blessing to you, but I believe it will be a testimony to the world around you. I tell you, when God begins to work miracles in the life of a believer, other people watch that believer and they begin to fear God, know that God is real and that God is true and that the world is, is brought to a saving knowledge of God. When God's people learn to pray, that's why prayer is so very important. So tonight, these two things will happen. God will load you up with blessings that are so great that you can't even receive them. And God will use you to bring lost people to Him through a saving knowledge of Himself when we persevere in prayer. Amen. So let me ask you again, do you need a miracle today? Then come to God in prayer. Place it in the hands of God. Show your dependence upon Him. Focus on Him, not the problem. Begin to praise Him for the victory before the victory comes. And when the victory comes, your life will be a testimony to Jesus. That's why sometimes when people are reluctant to say what, what the problem is, and, because they're just afraid, well, what if it doesn't work out? And, and here I am, I'm left, oh, ye of little faith. I mean, if it's a Red Sea kind of experience... Just put it out there. This is a Red Sea. Red Sea, impossible. Egyptians coming down behind us. We're running out of time. And if God doesn't step in, we're, we're, we're just dead. We're, we're dead. If they would have beat around the bush, um, you know, Moses, what, what would, what would y'all need? Y'all need anything? Well, we're asking, would you bless all of our missionaries and just um, thank the Lord for a good day. Help us to... Um, just, to, just to be, just, just, just be good, happy Christians. You just, we just want to, want to be a blessing to each other. And if, what if God had done all that, and the Egyptians still killed them? 
because they didn't put out there what the problem was. See, it's not that, well, I just, I just don't know if it's appropriate. It's not that a lot of times. It's just that you don't have that much confidence in God. That's why I've encouraged some. If God does it, you ought to tell it. But the reason why some are reluctant to tell it is because they really were not confident in God in the first place. We're a group of people praying in Acts chapter 12 for Peter to be released. Peter knocked on the door. They said, don't bother us. We're praying for Peter to be released. I'm glad God will answer sometimes in spite of us. You need a miracle? Place it in the hands of God. Show your dependence. Focus on Him. Begin to praise for the victory, before the victory, and when the victory comes, your life will be a testimony to Jesus. Now, this to me is a powerful example of Christians, how God's people ought to respond to a crisis and prevail in God's strength. Though Christians can still be overwhelmed by a crisis situation, just like the people of the world can. We, however, have the option of looking to the Lord for His intervention, His deliverance when we don't know what to do. As Jehoshaphat, we have the divine privilege to do what Jehoshaphat did, and that is he faced his enemies, he kept his eyes on the Lord. And if you're going through an impossible situation, it is just a blessing in the making if you will keep your eyes on him. Look back at the beginning of the chapter and notice in verse number 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Let's stand together, please.